0: Hey guys, it's Alexi James, and this is Diary a 20-something, a podcast that is going to dive into the experiences of being in your 20s and trying to figure it out. The wins, the failures, the heartaches, and the struggles, with everything in between. Hi guys, welcome back to Diary a 20-something so i know it's been a hot minute but i'm really excited for this episode because i'm getting to feature an incredible woman from shenan and tobago so i know my listeners are very varied in terms of across the region um but i'm gonna let her give a little introduction of herself
1: uh, to neil welcome thank you so much for having me alexia thank you so much <laughs> Alright
0: so I want to just give a little background in terms of what you do because I know that different people within the industry would already know you as a force but it's people that don't. I would love to just give have you give some insights on that.
1: Okay so my name is Tenille Clark and I am the principal publicist and managing director of Chambers Media Solutions. We are a full-service public relations consultancy operating out of Trinidad and Tobago servicing the globe uh, we specialise in media and entertainment even though we have worked in a myriad of industries um, I have a particular affinity to the creative sector which would embody fashion film and music
0: Wow, I love that I love that you just like it rolled off your tongue <laughs> <laughs> I just want to jump right into it. So of course, we have all been experiencing a pandemic and questions that I've personally gotten a lot is just how have you been dealing during this time? And of course, I work in digital marketing and content strategy for brands. Yeah. So it has not stopped for me at all. So I wanted to see like, how have you managed the shift in your work with COVID-19 and all of the complete 360s? (laughs) It's cost around I, the
1: globe. Yes, um well, my profession or the way that I have molded my career, I should say, because not all publicists um have that particular trait to their scope of work, but I travel a lot as you may know. Um yeah. so, I mean to be completely transparent, most of my work related trips for 2020 have been canceled um mm-hmm. that would be specifically to the carnival sector in the region yes. i do a lot of work on on the carnival circuits so antigua was cancelled and st lucia was cancelled the bahamas was cancelled barbados was cancelled um, so many of the of the carnival iterations would have been cancelled So in addition to me being a publicist, I'm also a travel, entertainment and culture writer. I write with Buzz Caribbean and I will say that my anchoring with Buzz has helped me somewhat to cope because for me, before I became a publicist, I always knew how to write. Writing forms the basis for everything that I I do and that should be the case for any publicist because if you can't communicate, you can't work but mm-hmm. being a writer has been able uh to help me kind of anchor myself um it's given me an opportunity to do a deep dive into different um cultures particularly within the music sector um i've tried to 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 start exploring the connection between the caribbean and 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 africa as well as the african diaspora so, uh, for example, earlier in May, I would have had the opportunity to interview the biggest reggae artist out of Africa, that's Stoneboy, um, and I have a couple of other interviews on the horizon, and it's really helped me to create this this unique outlet of expression um, in, in a time and a space where you can almost feel lost in the source, almost, almost. Um, I am not immune or 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 I don't have an army so much against against what is happening in the world and I think everybody is is experiencing you know the labor pains as it relates to covid-19 and now um yeah. that is compounded by by you know the protests that are happening in the US which i think yeah. everyone in the diaspora is feeling so mm-hmm. the writing has really given me the outlet of, of expression that i need to 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 redirect my energy and on the public relations side i mean i still do have clients that are actively working um i have musicians that are actively releasing bodies of work and it's it's it it helps me um, to be able to help them because yeah. creatives really do need, you know, an opportunity to stay the course um, and they need that special boost of confidence into their their creative process and prowess right now. So I think those are the two main, you know, ideas or the two main um, anchorings that I have right now that has helped me to really cope with COVID-19 and, and everything that has been coming out of this period.
0: Yeah. I saw you just touched on the riots that are currently happening and it's been, I don't even have a word to describe it, to be honest. You're the right to see your vocabulary is definitely more worse <laughs> than mine. Um, but seeing some of the, I guess, umbrella conversations that have happened. So I'm in Jamaica currently and yes. there are now people's speaking up more on police police brutality that happens in Jamaica. So right. even somebody, her name is Suzanne Bogle, um, where she was killed from police brutality and it yes. got no media attention, nothing from the government. And now it's people in our age group who have to just stand up on Twitter to try to get these people's attention to say like nothing is being done. And you know it's so crazy because we're all observing these things through our phones, you know? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's like a hundred million things just coming to you at the same time. And yes like, a lot of times like you don't even know how to feel because you're angry and you're hurt and you're like, Oh my god. <laughs> I, I know. I can't even move out. So like even yesterday I just I had to stop. I just had to take a mental break. And it's like, what about those people who cannot stop like they're in the streets and they're the ones on the front line because now we have new front line heroes mm-hmm. and it's like every week it's just something new and it's it's so perplexing to me you know and i feel like a lot of us don't even know how to sum it up or deal with it mm-hmm. um, and then of course you think about different businesses because i know there's the whole argument happening now in terms of people looting places and i had a friend who mentioned that these corporate entities could literally rebuild these spaces in a day so yeah. why is it why is it a point of conversation to the real thing which is people that look like us are being killed on a daily basis you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and it's so interesting how <laughs> literally the pandemic is still happening and then this entire pandemic that's it's been like happening totally parallel. Years,
1: it's parallel existences yeah. that are happening right now which which is what makes it feel so very surreal so yeah i think in 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 that strain of interest there, there are two or three things that we can look at or I look at through a PR lens. So for mm-hmm. me, the first thing is, I have always seen members of the media. Um, and I mean, there's a broader spectrum of members of the media than just journalists, you know, mm-hmm. producers, writers, um, cameramen. They're allies. We, I, right. I, see, I have always seen them as allies in the work that I do. And even in the work that I'm not directly involved in, they are always, they have always to me been seen as allies. They mm. I, I am extremely, extremely sensitive when it comes to ta- to storytelling in the diaspora, um, Caribbean storytelling in particular, because I think we were ordained with this intrinsic gift to tell our story. And mm. that almost leads me into my second point, which is Um, looking at creative forms of expression as an outlet. So you mentioned, while we may not be on the front line, you know, protesting, um, spreading awareness on the ground in places like Minneapolis and Chicago and and New York and, and L.A., Crenshaw, you know, they're moving into Beverly Hills. While we may not be there, we still have an opportunity to creatively express our solidarity Mm-hmm. I look at Jamaica, for example, and I see this ripe opportunity to, to continue to use reggae music as an outlet of expression. I think yeah. that you guys are equipped with such a unique opportunity to um, showcase your solidarity because reggae music has been able to permeate every aspect of the life that we live, regardless of if you're a member of the diaspora or not you have been exposed in some form or fashion, for the most part, to reggae music. And dating even back to, you know, the the Maroons, um, which were, you know, one of the, the, the first groups to kind of thrust on us the idea of revolt and revolution. And knowing that reggae music has a story to tell within that genesis, I think it's really, really important to reflect on, not necessarily the tools Um, And the mechanisms that we don't have in the Caribbean to show solidarity, but the tools of expression that we do have access to. And music Mm -hmm. is one of those things. And I think the last thing that we have to remember is that we are not immune to the ideology of brutality because we are all exposed to the arteries of racism one form or another and mm-hmm. i see a lot of conversations that have happened online that speak um they, there's a very isolationist conversation in the caribbean yeah. race. i
0: even saw where somebody said why are you focusing on black lives in america where but you all aren't speaking about your racism that happens in
1: Trinidad. And I'm like, people speak about that on a daily basis. Yes, yes <laughs> but there are also people that are denying that racism exists because yeah, yeah. we we, so we because to them we don't have the ethnic dynamic to complete the sense of what racism in the US looks like. But yeah. you know, people need to understand that it does it it, it does exist. And we also have to understand that there are socioeconomic props that prop up the ideologies of racism. So when you talk about classism and colorism, those are not divorced from the ideas of racism. They help Mm -hmm. to anchor what racism represents in the Caribbean as well. So there's a lot of good conversation, healthy conversation, dynamic conversation and dialogue coming out of what is happening in the US and why you see other people starting to protest in different countries. Like this morning, I saw a video of people in Denmark protesting. I saw that too. I saw a video of people people in Holland. When I was in Ghana last year, there was a high contingent of persons, black people from Holland at afro because they are there, and we need to know that they exist, and we need to know that their unique experiences, their lived experiences, are just as valuable as what happens in Africa. It's just as valuable as what happens in the Caribbean. It's just as valuable for the, the Black Indigenous people that live in Australia. All of our experiences are of value, and they contribute meaningfully to dismantling what the US has started what what people in the US have started. So
0: I agree. And I want to kind of snowball this conversation into the next point that I wanted us to touch base on, which is just how do you, protecting your mental health during this time. So before we were at home, we're still at home mm-hmm. <laughs> in times yeah. of COVID. But now it's amplified to the yeah. point where you're now at home and you're at home trapped with as um killer mike would have said on his speech two days ago with murder porn of seeing people dying of people just getting beaten at protests like i'm seeing women be pushed down there was a girl who has photos of herself bleeding from rubber
1: bullets yeah i feel like someone actually lost their sight in their left eye a photographer in the u.s lost lost her sight in her left eye And she said, you know, she, she, she was good. She was very good natured about it. She Mm -hmm. said she was lucky that it was not her right eye, which is her shooting eye. So it was not a career ending injury for her. And that kind of perspective to have that kind of perspective in the face of that adversity is something special. Yes, it's incredible.
0: Okay. So, how have you personally just been trying to maintain your mental health? Because I know you're on social media a lot. Yeah, because of course I it's am... kind of like our jobs as well. Not kind of it is. Yeah. <laughs> so being able to disconnect and put to nail first. How do you do that?
1: Um, I think the first thing um that that people can most relate to or, or people would be able to execute. You have to check out of social media once in a while. You can't be on there twenty four seven. From a public relations standpoint, we are bombarded with millions of messages on a daily basis. Um, mm. Whether it's regard to COVID, whether it's regard to the riots, whether it's regard to any, with regard to anything, advertising um, um, messages from celebrities. Uh, messages from the World Health Organization, instructions from your government. It's its just a lot of layered messaging. And you have to mm-hmm. check out once in a while. I remember at the beginning of um, the enforcement of the public health ordinance period in Trinidad, I was so invested in tuning in to our press conferences, which the government had put in place, rightfully so, on a daily basis in the very beginning, because he wanted to make sure that the messages that were coming out from the the, the official um, entities that are charged with the, the responsibility, that would include CAFA, that would include the officer, the prime minister, that would include the Ministry of Health, that would include the Ministry of Communications. They really wanted to ensure, rightfully so, that Trinidad and Tobago and the, the diaspora were getting the right messages and the accurate information. And I wanted to be tuned in. And then after a while, I realized that I had to kind of stagger my interest because it was a lot of information that I was receiving. And it can get very overwhelming, particularly as a publicist, particularly as a communicator that wants to be well-rounded and well-informed. But at the same time, uh, 50% Fifty percent to kneel is a no good to kneel to anybody. So I needed to make sure to take care of myself first, and that included putting measurables on 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 how much information I as a publicist was consuming. So that's the first thing. Tune in, out of social media. It's okay. Um, mm-hmm. for example, there's an app on my phone that is built into to the the Apple ecosystem where you can track. And limit time. how much time you spend on each app. And I actually kind of lowered mine this morning. I have that limit set for Twitter. I have it set for WhatsApp. I have it set for Instagram. I have it set for Facebook, which are the four main um, platforms that, that I use on a daily basis. And when you track those figures and you look at the stats on your weekly digital consumption, it can be very astronomical. Extremely, yeah. extremely huge numbers of 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 minutes and hours that you spend online. So that's the first thing. Clocking out to social media once in a while. That's that's really important. The second thing, I meditate. Um, and I mean I am not this deeply a spiritually tied person, but I really do think it's important um, for people to understand that connecting to something that is bigger than you is okay. Um, Because we all have our rhymes and reasons for tying into faith and faith. And I think it's really, really important that we, if it is that we have to rely on, on reflecting on, on something that is bigger than us, um, then, then, you know, if that helps the coping mechanism for everything that is going on, do it. I, I mean, I meditate first thing in the morning. I try not to get on my phone, which is very hard to do as you might know, (laughs) but I try to take half hour from myself doing absolutely nothing. I might throw on I might ask Siri to put on some um Deepak Chopra um I love Deepak I oh know I know so I might ask I just might say hey Siri listen to let's listen to Deepak I'm lucky that it didn't even go off right now on my phone because she's usually very <laughs> sensitive to my voice but I I, or I might say play some meditation music um, and it actually, it helps. I mean, I, I have openly said on Twitter that I have had difficulty sleeping ever since all of this started, and uh, the meditation doesn't fel- fact help with my, with my sleeping patterns. What else helps as well to regulate um, your bodily functions is exercise. Um, I need to do more of it. I think all of us really do feel like we can be doing a lot more, but it really yeah. helping to build that fitness routine into your schedule really does help um, you know mentally mm-hmm. with your framework, your peace of mind and things of that nature. Um, and the last thing that I would say that I, I that helps me cope during this time is also to start lightly thinking about what the next phase of life is going to look like. I'm talking short term, in that we are not going to be in lockdown forever. Um, We have to start thinking or accepting that this or some semblance of this that we are experiencing is going to be our new normal. And for me, as somebody who travels heavily, um, that is involved in various industry projects, particularly on the entertainment circuit with no touring happening anytime soon for artists and things of that nature, we have to start building a plan of action to suit what our new normal looks like. So I, I guess I think of things when it comes to, you know, making sure that that, that I stay mentally secure uh, on an individual community and national slash regional level. So the individual would be the meditating and the checking out of social media and that kind of stuff. The community would be more of the, you know, the fitness and, and, and that kind of stuff. And then on the national and international level is obviously thinking industry-wide implications of things and what can I do um, to help alleviate the burden for the person that is standing next to me that may not necessarily have the the resources or even the wherewithal, um, to 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 see themselves through this period of uncertainty.
0: Yeah, I want to touch back on fitness, um, mm-hmm. because personally, it's been really hard because before where I work, it has an office, and you'd go there, and then when you come home you're able to like just leave all the problems of the day there. Like it stops at the door. Yeah. Now it's kind of like your sanctuary that you may have built. Mm-hmm. If you're working from home, it kind of got completely disrupted. Yes. Um. And I remember in March, I was really, really struggling in terms of just being sane. Um, and I would have added in just working out frequently. So I do it three times a week in terms of working out and I do yoga two times a week um and it completely just changed my last two months i know like i talk about it a lot on twitter and people just like oh you work out oh does it really work but it does, yeah, <laughs> like, it, does. it does so much and uh, you can't see the results of it until you do it so i could probably talk it into the ground or we could talk it into the ground but unless you do it and you actively say like i just need to get better i can't feel like this anymore it's gonna mm-hmm. to continue to happen. So I yeah. just wanted to reiterate that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um for sure. in terms of what you said for incrementally looking into the future on a short term and long term basis, you're just like going into all the points that I had. <laughs> 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 um, because the next thing was like, what are some of the main drivers for moving forward? And I know moving forward now it's like for everybody, it's kind of just moving forward into uncertainty. Because as you would have said, events are cancelled, artists aren't touring, carnivals are cancelled. Like, even though Jamaica has their own solicit for October, like, I'm still super skeptical about that. And I know brands are as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. So it's still like you're planning for a future. You have no idea how it's going to look. Yes. And I would love to just get your point of view of how you are
1: maneuvering through that reality. Um, I think during this time... While the the, the p r community and publicists try to to measure or gauge what the main drivers are for moving forward, I think a lot of us keep thinking about our clients, specifically you know the creatives creatives. This is literally how they breathe this is this it, it's it's so deeply tied to to who they are as people. And, and, and moments and events, historic events like what we are experiencing now can very much disrupt or hemorrhage you know their centering. Um, particularly, I'm, I'm thinking particularly about musicians, um, designers, um, those that, that work within a, a certain spatial momentum. Um, mm-hmm. If it is that I'm talking about about my main driver, my main driver, honestly, Alexia, is to just see them be okay coming out of this um, and using all possible resources that I have to make sure that they stay anchored. Um, so, for example, I have a client. Um, his name is Hector Lewis. His stage name is Roots Percussionist. Everyone knows him as the... Ball of energy that performs with Chronic Sensing Fence Redemption. I mean, mm-hmm. they, I mean they, they, they have toured the world. Um, they, have, uh, they have accolades. They've been Grammy nominated and things like that. And, and things like that can very much disrupt any musician. Um, but it's making sure that they understand that the diversification of their artistry is just as important as the execution of it. And I feel as if a, a lot of our musicians, a lot of our fashion designers, a lot of our filmmakers have to understand how to pivot. And things essentially grind to a halt this time Um, for many of our creatives because there was no diversity in what they were doing. And I'm not talking about... Um, their, their, their delivery of their product, whether it's the music or the clues or, or, the, or, or what we see on screen. I'm talking about understanding that, that there are other marketing mechanisms that have to be employed at this time. Mm-hmm. Touring should not be your sole driving career force because as we have seen, that can come to a screeching halt at any given notice. So yes. what I want to see as a main driver for moving forward is our creatives and their respective teams going back to the drawing board about what, what is valuable or what is of value to the consumer and specifically to their target demographic. Uh, okay. If it is that you are in music, what, what can you do to deliver this product that, that doesn't compromise on the integrity of the body of work, but still gives them an opportunity to connect meaningfully with you. And that can be applied across the board, I mean, across industries. Touring is not the only way that we can connect with audiences, and I really want people to understand the width and the depth of opportunities that digital media allows um for for a really
0: good Mm -hmm. example of that and adapting and innovating um because of course we saw the the bag of lives (laughs) and to be honest I actually got really fed up of lives but um that episode that feature I should say with being a man of bounty killer and the thing that made me the most impressed about it all was the fact that they can fly in any foreign teams, they can fly in any no. foreign videographers, they can all it on local exactly. production. Teams. And that is such a hard thing, especially in the industry, because a lot of times it's not even the foreign companies, it'll be local people saying we don't want to trust local people to do yeah. this, we need to hire yeah. foreign things, which is something that intrinsically in the mind because of that whole
1: colonialism effect that happened. Yeah. And um, you know, we have to give credit to Sharon Burke because honestly, definitely she would have been the driving force behind that and her vision for, for what our ent- entertainment industry as a region could mean for so many people is so incisive. And for so many years, I mean, Shaggy said it very much. Um, he was very much on point in in his feedback on Instagram after that 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 historic versus um installation that that her vision is so incisive she has she has helped so many artists cross that bridge and she has invested so much um that it's 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 really really something to see that still in twenty twenty that her vision is still helping to do actionable kind of things to help help the industry. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, all of us can't be on live like at 7 pm at the same time because then you're competing for the entire audience. So we really, really do need to take a, a a deep dive into what else can we use um as as tools of engagement for our audiences, I was even having that conversation a couple of weeks ago um, with a, a very prolific writer by the name of Daryl Gervais um, He's mm-hmm. well known for for being one of the key writers on castiban's team and and we were just having a good conversation about what else can be done how How do we rebuild and and reconnect with the entertainment industry? And, and within our own frameworks as, as as professionals in the industry to to help guide what what our new space is going to look like. You know, it's it's a scary prospect for some, but yeah. it's a wealth of opportunity for everybody. So I'm hoping that, you know, that we can get we can get on stream with that. And as you can see, I mean music has not stopped releasing um oh, I have some music now yeah. because i think that it's a very good example and it's it's a constant example for for what we see um in the creative industries i mean music has not stopped releasing kitty from from uh from africa he just released an album called loose stone um stone boy release and logo junction you have Buju coming out with Upside Down. You have uh, Connie coming out with, with, with Della Move. So th- these are the things that we really, really need to take stock of. It's it the, There may be inhibitions as it relates to the current circumstances and the, the current global environment, but things are happening still, you know? So I hope that we take that as an indicator for for the good things that are to come as well. Yeah, definitely.
0: One thing that you mentioned in terms of moving forward, and I'm I always kind of think about it because as you would have said, Carnival and a lot of carnival is being halted. And mm-hmm. as we know, Trinidad Carnival, it has like a it has a time frame. So yeah. you always know that June, July, it's ban launch season, and I am so curious but so excited at the same time. Cause our people are such innovative people in terms of how is the team going to navigate this? Yes. Um, because I know that if it's something digitally in terms of a balance being on digitally, they're going to just blow the fucking world. Yes. <laughs> and, but of course I know those things depend on, are people going to be able to fly to Trinidad to, you know, participate in carnival? So all those things have to be factored in before like presenting an entire concept and mass and all these things but it makes me excited because I know that as you said creatives they thrive on I don't want to say dysfunction but just on the parallels of things shifting yes Um, so moving forward to me is not something that's limiting as much as we don't know what's going to be next and all these things I think it's such an opportunity for just growth and change and pivoting and innovating and uh, just like how there would have been huge changes in the past, and the people of those times would not have known what happened before. It's the same thing for us now.
1: Yeah. I think that there has to be reciprocity. So there's there's two sides to the carnival coin, right? There's the mm-hmm. side of consumers. How are they going to fly? How are they going to, you know, what is the, the party scene going to look like? What is the, the parade scene um, going to look like with, with all of the, the social distancing guidelines and things of that nature? But there's also the production value side that people need to look at. Um, how are uh, uh, producers of, of van launches um, going to execute these things and we, we're looking at budget and we're also looking at human resource, right? So you're looking at the yeah. fiscal capacity and then you're looking at the the national human resource capacity of things. Um you have to look at production of costumes. The costumes that aren't, you know, that aren't created in Trinidad. Um yeah. some of it is created in China, which was formerly, you know, the epicenter of of this pandemic. You know, yeah. so there are a lot of things to 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 really, really factor in. I think, you know, Tribe released a press release at the beginning of May. I I think it was a brilliantly um penned uh statement because it, it balanced a lot of things. It balanced the concerns that consumers would have as it re- as it relates to um what what the outlook would be for their carnival experience which i mean bottom line it should be the 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 identifiable kind of question for for all consumers you're paying for something you expect a certain standard a certain qualitative standard of the thing that you are paying for right it addressed that it's addressed you know the 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 conundrum with 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 the production because as you rightfully mentioned bang on season starts in june and it goes on right up until the end of july um beginning of august for some um for some bands for example like yuma who would launch after crop over period and uh, the production stage starts soon thereafter so by september october um, production numbers go off. They they tally what they need to tally, and and things start start going from there. But the third thing that it really really addressed, which I was impressed about, was the ripple effect um, that 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 carnival has on communities. And I say that to say that a lot of the times, while we are enraptured by the carnival experience as consumers, whether you're speaking as a masquerader or whether you're speaking as a party goer, and while businesses are thinking about the production values of costumes, making sure that they meet the demand and they meet their timelines, a lot of the times we forget to think about the communities that benefit from carnival. We're talking about the people that sell food on the side of the street. We're talking about the people that might provide tents for events. These are lives and livelihoods that are adversely affected by COVID-19. And uh, there might even be a trickle-down effect from the protests that are happening in the U.S., depending on, you know, how the pendulum swings. So I really, really thought that that was a, a very well-thought-out response because it addressed things in such a way that that all concerns were covered. I mean, we don't have any identifying marks in terms of when things are going to be over, but what it did say is that these are the things that we factored in. These are the things that everyone needs to pay attention to, and these are the things when things start rolling back in motion, we need to bear in mind might be the rationale for why things may not look the same as they would have in previous years. So if it is that they have to change the model for band launches and all of the bands have to follow suit, then so be it. If it is that they have to, and they did mention it in the in in this statement about um, production for costumes starting late, they mentioned that it might be a challenge, but they would get it done. Those are the things that they have to listen and look out for. But also the volume and capacity for Carnival as well would obviously, forget, it would affect the lives and livelihoods of, of, of third party, um, businesses, SMEs, um, that would be affected by the decisions that happen at the top, yep. you know? And sometimes when you're so high up on top, you you the ability to see so far below you um, becomes greater. You know what I mean? And I really felt as if, as a middle man, private entity, um, that's, a, that's a, a level of thinking um, and a level of foresight that all of us, in whatever professional capacity we operate, whether it's a marketer, whether it's a publicist, whether it's a caterer, whether it's a, a mass maker, whether it's a man from behind the bridge and all that kind of stuff, Everybody needs to think about the implications on an individual, community, and national level. And that is spliced through by so- socioeconomic um, factors. So, yeah. couldn't say
0: it any better.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the last thing that I want to jump into is... Navigating your industry because, as you would have said at the beginning, you've really crafted your career because it's not just a regular publicist at all. It's not
1: conventional at all, girl.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, I just want to ask you how is it navigating that as a woman, especially a, a woman from the Caribbean? Um, which, you know, people always look at us as the minority and not being able to bring as much to the table as somebody from, I would say, a larger continent. So how do you break that glass ceiling?
1: Well, I mean, I look at the challenge and the reality of the circumstances that I cannot change. I remember when Mm -hmm. I was going to school at York University in Toronto, because I'm dual, right? I'm Canadian and I'm Trini. So when I was at York University in Toronto, um, my major was in the humanities, um, but my minor was in the social sciences. And I remember a lot of my professors used to call me like a natural social scientist because I always used to think through that lens, right? And I remember from one of my, my professors that, that that taught my my feminist theory class, I think it was in my third year, um, she always kind of reminded us, not to put us down, but to always make sure that we were anchored in our lived experiences, that there were two strikes against us or against me. I was black and I was female. So I've always made sure to remember that reality of my lived experience, again, not to put me down or to see the impossibility in executing my duties as a publicist, but for me to understand the importance of doing two things. One, navigating spaces that are male-dominated, of which the entertainment and media industries fall under. They're both male-dominated spaces. But two, for, for never regretting the process of taking up space um and that is something that I consciously do now maybe I subconsciously did it in the beginning of my my career um which is almost a decade long but now I do it consciously um I I want to take up space in rooms before I even enter them because I want to lessen the burden of proof and responsibility on publicists that are coming up after me. I'm not going to be in the industry forever. As much as I love it, you know, every rope has its end. And I want to make sure that the work that I am doing is quality assured, but I also want to make sure that there is space for, for, for other publicists and other public relations' minds to activate their ideas without fearing the consequences of their brilliance. Um, when I went to Ghana last December, after I was invited um, by Afrochella to speak, I was the first Caribbean resident um, invited to Afrochella Talks to speak, which which was a big deal. And yeah. it, it, it felt... I, it felt like home because I I felt as if they were taking up an active responsibility. I mean, Africa has a very robust creative sector. You know what I mean? Their music is popping. Their fashion is on it. Their film is on it. The way that they yeah. tell stories is on it. And I went there to not only tell the story of the Caribbean, at the, the lone black, that same lone black female girl that my, my professor reminded me of who I will always be. But I, it, it also resonated with me on a level because they asked me how they can help get the Caribbean diaspora story out. And they, they don't need to do that. I mean, it benefits all of us. But again, some people choose to work in isolation, but I never felt that when I went into that space. And that's when I knew that the work was going to continue in a very meaningful way. So when you talk about navigating my industry as a woman, it would be remiss of me not to to, to reword that and say that I'm navigating my industry as a Black woman, because that is who I am. Um, yeah. and that is my lived experience um and having the 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 intellectual capacity to navigate this space is one thing, but having the support system of a community of black women and black men helping you to make this space better than you leave it is equally important so when I look at 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 people like Yvette Noel Shaw, who is, she, everyone knows her as, as obviously as Beyonce's publicist. She's a very dear friend of mine. I, I, I value implicitly her guidance um, and, and her, her support. She, she has a very, very unique way of making you feel the value of what you're contributing and you feeling valued. As, as, as a human being. Um, when I look at people like Ronnie Tomlinson, who is Buju Banton's publicist, who is a very, very dear friend of mine as well, you know, she knows that she can call on me if she needs anything, I can call on her. When I look at people like Danny and Clark from Teen Vogue, when I look at people like Tiffany Bender from Comcast, when I look at people like Johan Forbes from a Law Magazine, who, who all share African and Caribbean heritages, um, it makes me feel anchored because I know what love looks like in the public relations realm. And it helps me to discern what is not for me as well, mm-hmm. um, because I have a, a, a fair understanding of, of what the industry can look like when we, when we work together. So a lot of people might see my online personality as as something that is domineering um a voice that that is is loud and i mean i guess that's fine but i also want to make sure that people are aware that my voice is always very intentional um and i i i i i speak the way that I speak and I articulate myself and I write and, and I do everything that I do with intent and the intent is most of the times it's, it's less about me and it's more about making space for somebody else. And and that's it. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm from the Caribbean. I'm proudly Trimbegonian. I'm proudly from the Caribbean but I've always made sure to let people know that my my skill set and my talent and my achievements will always be global. I will always be a Caribbean girl, but I will always have a global focus. And, and that's it. And I don't apologize for it either.
0: I love that so much. And I love that you touched on community and women and Black women and Black men supporting each other because I think that's something that I think the younger generation just undervalues a bit because yeah. we can really be our own advocates yeah and as you rightly said being able to just have that com- camaraderie and friendship not just industry wise but globally because of the connections that we innately have yes um and i think that's so powerful because I don't know if you know, like Shireen Taylor. That was somebody who I would have met through Twitter. Shireen um, is from She's
1: <laughs> lovely. She's so lovely. Is so is Warner. Shout out to Anna in Toronto. Wana is one of my—if I have a top five of friends, wanna is yeah. definitely in the top five. She is an incredible, incredible force. Um, she's she's a brilliant writer. She knows her history. She's proudly Trambegonian, even though she resides in Toronto. And I love her. I love her voice. I love the way she speaks. Shireen is, like, Shireen to me is like a a oracle of of music as it comes to the Caribbean. I love reading. And even her
0: persona is incredible. Like, I really want to give this example because recently we would have been working on our project and we have never physically met in person, (laughs) Because she lives in Toronto and then COVID happened. So I haven't gotten to meet her yet. But she, we're such great friends. And to the point where she literally completely... It's 2 o'clock. Sorry, oh, yeah, I, don't I don't know,
1: know the show. Show. <laughs> yes, like, I think not have time. That's so... everything, girl.
0: <laughs> wonderful recommendation for something that we're working on. And that I'm not working on. And I just want to promote that so much because... I I know that a lot of times people say that there isn't enough support and strangers support you and all these different things. And we still need to give credit to the people who we call strangers. I know. Um, people that we may have known for years or the people that we have met a week ago, a month ago, because it doesn't discredit their place in our lives and how we can impact them. It and doesn't. How we can a lot us. of
1: the people that I would have said that I met in the last five years are so important to me and and the way that I they they help me to to broaden my horizon in the way that I look at the world you know wanna I mean she's an incredible force you have people like global carnivalist who's also a very dear friend of mine she you know she she's very very knowledgeable She's very, very proud of, of of her heritage. You have people like Bohemianista, and you have people like OG Vibes from St. Lucia, and you have people like Dr. Colin Williams, who started the CDE Antigua movement, and now is a, 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 a brand, a whole brand ambassador for the government of Antigua and Barbuda, just because they had a vision and they stuck to it. And that's the kind of people that I want to surround myself with. You know what I mean? I always want to make sure that I surround myself with people that 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 speak life into what it is that they're trying to do, but they mm-hmm. also even I have this thing about about speaking even when your voice shakes. I not not all of the time I will know if something will work. And sometimes there will be spectacular crashes, but making the space and making the room for, 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 for development in a very cyclic way is very, very important to me. And I'll even give you an example of that. I think that, that line of thinking and that, that vision is what attracted my relationship to the Minister of Sport and Youth Affairs in Trinidad and Tobago, the Honorable Sham and that's how I was appointed a 40, under 40, influencer um, for the ministry and by expansion, the government, because it was very, very important for me when I was in the country, whenever I'm in Trinidad, to be able to go into schools and to speak to students so that they can hear my story but they can also see that it's something that is attainable. Um, when they hear things like, I have gone, I, I helped, um, I, I was in charge of the public relations for Chronix's concert in Trinidad, and they hear that I have spoken at the United Nations, and they're looking at me, and they're like, you, you've done that? And it's like, yeah, and you can, you have the opportunity to do that too. So there's no greater influence than... Than, than seeing the work uh, being embodied in one person. Um, and I think it's very, very important for anyone in any of their capacities, using any of the resources, whether it's public or private partnerships, to to, to make sure that they impart that knowledge. Because holding on to information does nobody any any great service. I'm not worried about, you know, like holding on to any kind of, trade secrets that sets me apart from from any other from from any other publicist or anything like that because that's not my goal my goal at this point is knowledge transfer and to ensure that the caribbean is known for the work the scope the talent the expertise and the culture the cultural diversity that, that that we are able to to share with the rest of the world and and to be proud of it too you know it's it's not as 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 isolated a thought as as everyone seems to think it is and we do have a power and a responsibility to make sure that that we enact the change that it is that we're trying to see in in everybody else so
0: i definitely agree like 100% and i just want to say this was a all- Lovely conversation. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And
1: I know that <laughs> Thank you, you so much.
0: As well, like, I learned so much from you in the last 53 minutes. <laughs> um, and I really just want to show my appreciation for you in terms of everything that you're doing for the Caribbean, for the diaspora, for the culture, and to just continue making your strides. And I think that's a message in itself because. The overall arch, the overarching theme of this episode is really getting out of creative rot. and one thing that struck me from what you said was that seeing your clients, which are the creatives, just being so persistent with Mm -hmm. what they're trying to achieve motivates you. I think that's so powerful because as a creative, you sometimes feel like you're not getting the impact that you would want, right? Um, and seeing someone else believe in you, I know it goes such a long way. Um, so I just want to remind anybody who's listened to this that they feel stuck—that somebody's looking out for you,
1: somebody's watching Somebody over you. Is and out with you. I think that is so important for all of us to remember. Um, because COVID has isolated. It, COVID for me has been the total antithesis to the way that Caribbean people known to live their life we don't live in isolation this is not something that we do by design we are not designed for this experience so Mm -hmm. i do feel as if it may hit our communities a little bit harder in terms of um the the escapism that that we are able to to employ and i want people to know that you know that that there are people out there that are looking out for you and don't think because you may not know somebody well, online or offline, that they care any less. I I care very much about what I see online. If it is that I have within reason to try to help somebody um, get out of that that space that that headspace that that they're in that may not necessarily be very beneficial to their development. Um, I. I I offer myself as a as a as a resourceful solution, you know what I mean because at the end of the day, for me a a win a win means nothing if only I can claim it. I remember that um <laughs> in one of these everybody knows that I'm a big beyonce fan, so. In- <laughs> So in the the Carter's album for um, Everything is Love, there's a song called Nice, and Jay-Z says on it that, um, that it's actually boss. He said, you know, he, he, in paraphrasing, he basically says that you can't call yourself a boss if you're the only one that is winning. Like, if you're the only one that is making the money, if you're the only one that is, is advancing, if you're the only one that is seeing the levels of success and your team is still stuck in the same place, then, then you're not a boss. Everybody has to be winning in your circle. And I want everybody to win. I want to see everybody win. So that's why I don't hold back on knowledge. I don't hold back on opinions because it will resonate with somebody and it will land where it needs to land. And the divine interest will always make sure that it grows where it lands, you know? So, yeah.
0: Alright, I think that's a great note to end this episode on. I want to thank you again so much for being on. Don't forget to plug your socials so tell people where they can see you.
1: (laughs) So on Twitter you can find me at Tenille, T-E-N as in November, I-L-L-E Clark C-L-A-R-K with an E number one. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Teneal Clark1. You can also find me um, on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook. You can find mean, so everywhere. Basically <laughs> everywhere. And of course, my company, Chambers Media Solutions. It's www.chambersmediasolutions solutions with an s
0: All right. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.
1: Bye.